Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is part six of a nine-part series. This is the evening service of Sunday the 19th of July 2015, entitled Advice on Biblical Holiness, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. Here's Brother Gareth Green. Well, good evening everyone. Great to see you all. Um, this evening's sermon is part two of Advice on Biblical Holiness. You might remember from the previous sermon um, was part one of Advice on Biblical Holiness. Um, but yeah, don't worry if you weren't here. Um, I'll quickly go over the main points of uh, part one. So yeah, the previous sermon, we looked at chapter four, verses one to eight. Sorry, we are in uh, 1 Thessalonians and chapter four. So yeah, the previous sermon was in uh, chapter four, verses one to eight. And the two points we looked at there uh, in verse number one and two was advice to obey. Uh, and this was a general exhortation from Paul to obey the commands of God. And in the last three pieces of advice, um, yeah, two of which we'll be going through today, uh, we see Paul expounding on the first general exhortation from verse one and two. In verse three to eight, uh, the point was there was abstain from fornication. Um, and the main point of that was you cannot be sanctified or holy or set apart if you are participating in fornication. You cannot be set apart to be used by God if you are having sex outside of marriage. So those are the first two points from the first sermon. Tonight we are going to be looking at two more pieces of uh, uh, Paul's advice. Uh, first one is affection for the brethren. And this is in verse uh, number 9 and 10. And then attributes or uh, attributes of a Christian are in verse 11 and 12. So I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 12. Uh, but tonight we're only going to be looking uh, mainly at verses 9 to 12. So, uh, yeah, if you'd like to stand on the reading of God's word, we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given us, given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren, which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. 
and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for um, this advice that you've um, placed here for us on uh, how to be holy, how to be more like you. Um, and Lord, we pray now that uh, as we come before you and uh, yeah, we read your word, and we meditate upon this. We pray, Lord, that uh, any way in which uh, that you see that we should uh, be changed, any way that we can be more holy. Um, yeah, uh, Lord, we know there are many ways that we can um, we must strive to be more holy, Lord, but I pray that uh, if we could just pick up maybe just one or two things from this sermon and that you would really, um, yeah, embed that in our hearts and that we may uh, be changed through this sermon. Um, I just pray, Lord, yeah, that your Holy Spirit would work in us and, and change us and that you would be glorified and that all those um, outside of this church would see uh, what you are doing in us and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in our previous sermon... We tried to come up with a definition of holiness uh, because that is the main theme that we're going to be looking at from this text. You might remember me quoting that holiness in its highest sense belongs to God. He is not like anything. God is holy. God is holy because he is completely unlike anything else. He is set apart and therefore it is useless to compare him with anything else. Exodus 15:11 says, "Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, in praises, doing wonders." And Psalm 86 verse 8 says, "Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. Uh, J.C. Ryle writes, holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God, according as we find his mind described in scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, which means hating what he hates and loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. So now that we've caught up on the last sermon, let's continue on to Paul's third piece of advice, uh, which is affection for the brethren. And we see that in verse 9 and 10. In these two verses, Paul gives advice to the Thessalonians about brotherly love. In the first 12 verses of this chapter, as we've just read today, um, Paul is talking about holiness and sanctification. Paul, in verse 9 and 10, is saying that holiness affects our relationships with others. The particular relationship that Paul is speaking about here is the Thessalonians' love towards other born-again believers. So let's quickly reread verse number 9. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9. But as touching brotherly love... Ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now, Paul starts verse 9 in quite a strange way. As we know, all scripture is profitable for a variety of godly purposes. 
However, Paul seems to be saying, what I am about to write to you is pointless. Paul says to the Thessalonians that concerning brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. The reason is because you have already been taught by God. Um, This is also a fantastic principle uh, that we can apply to our lives. Even if someone is behaving in a godly way, then we should still encourage them to continue in that behavior. Letting other Christians know that you can see God working in them is a great encouragement. We should share this good news with other believers and encourage them to continue to grow in holiness. So, who can you see God working in? Have you encouraged them to continue to grow? In verse 9, Paul uses the words, taught of God. Now, loving others, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ, is something that is taught to us by God the Holy Spirit. Now, this raises the question, why does God teach us to love our family in Christ, but he does not teach us other doctrines? Paul sees the need to teach on the subject of the second coming of Christ, but says himself that there is no need for him to teach on brotherly love. Why does God not teach us about the second coming in the same way? Is it an inferior doctrine? Well, clearly not. God has preserved much in his word and a great deal in this book here, uh, 1 Thessalonians, concerning the second coming of Christ. So then, why? Well, people can have different opinions on the second coming of Christ, but still be saved. But an unsaved person can have the second coming completely right and still be on their way to hell. If they don't have love, then they are not a Christian. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, we will look more deeply into the second coming of Christ in the next sermon in this series, Lord willing. But before we get there and explore that truth, it's important to address your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is this lacking in your life? How can you show more love to your fellow believers? Now, let's move on to verse number 10. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. The love that these Thessalonians are showing to other believers goes beyond their own church family and stretches to all the believers in Macedonia. Um, So our equivalent of Macedonia compared to uh, Thessalonica uh, would be something a bit uh, smaller than Britain, but a bit bigger than England, you know, somewhere in that kind of region. So these Thessalonians are showing love to all the Christians in that kind of vicinity around where they are. So do you have friends from other churches? Uh, do you perhaps invest time um, in going to fellowship meetings uh, and conferences 
or maybe even uh, camp, things like that. Uh, this type of fellowship can only make our church stronger. In this book, Paul does not isolate the Thessalonians. He calls attention to other churches. He compares their affections to, uh, sorry, he compares their afflictions to encourage them that they are not alone. For example, he speaks about the Christians in Judea in chapter 2 and verse 14. And he also praises them for being an example to other believers. Uh, he describes them as an example to the Christians in Macedonia and Archaea in chapter 1 and verse number 7. So the purpose of this letter is to ground and establish the Thessalonians in their faith. And one way, one of the ways that Paul does that is by linking them with other churches. In this letter, love takes such a precedence that even when the Thessalonians are doing so well at showing brotherly love to each other, Paul takes the opportunity again to beseech them to increase more and more in love. Um, back when I was in secondary school, sometimes uh, someone would be, you know, a bit of a practical joker, and uh, they do something uh, a little bit naughty. Uh, they'd let off fire alarm, or they, you know, hit the fire alarm and, and set it off uh, when there wasn't actually a fire, uh, and they would run away uh, so they wouldn't get caught, you know, get lost in the crowd, something like that. And then the following day, or you know, sometime in our next assembly at the school, the headmaster would come in and address the whole of the year and say, if you are the person that set off the fire alarm, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, then he might go on to say, you know, what a nuisance it was because uh, it disturbs other people's lessons. Um, and, you know, the fire brigade had to be called out, all these kinds of things. And so when all those talks were going on, um, I just kind of switched off because I knew I wasn't guilty. I sat there and, you know, I didn't set the fire alarm off so I can just sit there because I knew I didn't, you know, I wasn't part of it because um, I was a good boy, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I felt like the message, I basically felt like that message wasn't for me because um, it was clearly for someone else. Um, it wasn't really relevant to where I was. In Thessalonica, these Christians may have been thinking along the same kind of line as well. They might have been thinking, brotherly love? Yeah, I feel like I'm doing quite well at that. Um, he's clearly talking to what's-his-name behind me. You know, he doesn't do brotherly love very well. But actually, what Paul was saying here is, don't switch off. This message is for you. I know you are doing well at loving one another, and it's to you that I direct my message. Increase in love more and more. This principle of increasing in love towards the brethren it can also be applied to our lives as well. If you think that you are loving others well, then don't fall asleep, because this message is for you. Set an even higher goal, an even higher expectation of yourself. Increase in your love towards other Christians more and more. How can you love your fellow Christians more today than you did yesterday? So that was advice number three, affection for the brethren. Now let's look at advice number four, attributes of a Christian. Again, in the first half of chapter four, 
Paul is talking about holiness and sanctification. Paul, in verse 11 and 12, is saying that holiness affects our character. The particular characteristics of a Christian that Paul is speaking about here are those of quietness, work, and honesty. So let's uh, quickly reread verse number 11. And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Now, the word study here does not mean study for an A-level or a GCSE in quietness. Uh, Study here means to be eager or to be earnest to do something. It means to labor or to strive to do something. Paul is telling the Thessalonians to be eager and to labor towards living a quiet life. So what does uh, quiet mean? Does it mean silence? Does that mean that all extroverts, like my wife, are ungodly sinners? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the Greek word translated quiet here means, uh, can mean a number of things. It can mean to keep still, uh, to refrain from labor, to cease to be meddlesome. It can mean to hold your peace or to rest. Paul wanted the Thessalonians to be eager to strive towards living a life that is characterized by someone that holds their peace and does not meddle in the lives of others. Paul also tells the Thessalonians in verse 11 to do their own business, or in other words, not to get involved in the lives of others. He wanted them to live a life that is not filled with gossiping and drama. Paul wants the Thessalonians to work with their own hands. Now, this does not necessarily mean uh, manual labor, uh, but simply that they should not rely on others to do their work. They should not put the burden of provision upon others when it rightfully belongs to them. Paul, uh, in one way or another, told the Thessalonians to get a job. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. We're going to look at what Thessalonians now. Let's look at uh, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, and verse 11. Just a few pages, or maybe just one page. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, and verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, because of this verse, and also uh, the verse we read a few moments ago in chapter 4 and verse 11, we can see that there was an issue in the Thessalonian church where Christians stopped working because they believed that the second coming of Christ was so imminent. Now, of course, the second coming of Christ is imminent, and Christ could return for us before this sermon is finished, and he could even return before our next breath. Um, However, God clearly teaches us here that we should not use this future hope as an excuse to forfeit our responsibilities for for our own provision um, and those who depend on us. We should not seek to become a burden to others, but seek how to make others' burdens easier. These people do not seem to be quitting their jobs to become full-time missionaries to spread the gospel. 
but they use their free time to become uh, busybodies and meddle in the business of others. And this is clearly not a biblical description of a Christian. Um, and this is also how we should apply our future hope to our lives. Not in a way that excuses us from hard work, but in a way that motivates and encourages us through hard work. Again, our future hope does not excuse us from hard work, but it motivates and encourages us through hard work. This verse may also suggest that we are more prone to digging into other people's business when we ourselves are not occupied or do not have our own employment. How are you using your time? Are you working hard for, um, if you own your own business, for yourself or for your employer? Are you seeking earnestly for employment? Are you working hard to raise children or looking after your family? If you're retired or genuinely unable to work, then how can you use your time to glorify God? The time that you have at your disposal may bring with it a temptation to interfere with others' business or participate in gossip. Seek to live a holy life that pleases God. Paul then uses the words, as we commanded you, at the end of verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. This should be understood in the context of verse 1 and 4, which we covered in the previous sermon. Remember, even though Paul was delivering this message, it was primarily a message from God. This is all God's message, and you should respect and obey these commands, because they are the commands of God and not man. To disobey them is to disobey God. Let's go to verse 12, chapter 4, verse number 12. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. So in this verse, we, we, we find the effects of a godly life. The effects of a godly life are that those who lived around the Thessalonians would see that they walk with honesty. Now, the word walk here, meaning a manner of life or manner of living. Um, so holy living, um, yeah, holy living is a powerful testimony. Holy living means being honest in the way that we live. Living a holy life means telling the truth. And therefore, honesty is a great sign that a person has true saving faith. Christians tell the truth. How can you live a more honest life? Uh, now, we mentioned this in last week's sermon. What does the Bible say a Christian looks like? Because that is the only definition that matters. We cannot look at others and compare ourselves with other Christians to tell us how we should behave. We need to look at what the Bible says about how a Christian should behave. So that kind of brings us to the end of these four verses tonight. So, um, yeah, what have you learned from these four verses? Um, what have you learned about how a Christian should behave? Um, as Dr. MacArthur puts it, Christians act like Christians. So we've looked at verses 9 to 12 this evening. But if you put part one and part two of uh, the sermon together, 
you can find four pieces of advice that Paul gave the Thessalonians on biblical holiness. These are, um, well, just for the purpose of the sermon, I like to call them the four A's of holiness. Um, so the first two are advice to obey. That's in verse 1 and 2. Abstain from fornication. That's verse 3 to 8. Affection for the brethren. That's verse 9 and 10. And attributes of a Christian. Um, so, advice to obey in verse 1 and 2. Um, this was a general exhortation uh, to obey the commands of God. And these last three pieces of advice are Paul's exposition of that. Verse 3 to 8, abstain from fornication. You cannot be sanctified, holy, and set apart if you are participating in fornication. You cannot be set apart to be used by God if you are having sex outside of marriage. And this sermon, verses uh, 9 to 10, affection for the brethren. God teaches us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's set higher standards of ourselves, even if we think we're doing something uh, well or we're excelling in it. And then finally, verse 11 to 12, attributes of a Christian. Some ways of describing a Christian life uh, is someone who is quiet, that is, does not gossip, um, does their own work, and behaves in an honest manner. And the effects of this holy lifestyle uh, will be a strong testimony for the glory of God and for planting seeds in the hearts of those who do not yet know Christ. And so we need to walk in holiness. Why is that? That's uh, because Christians imitate Christ, and holiness in its highest sense belongs to God. So how do we live holy lives? The power to walk in holiness comes from God the Holy Spirit and seeing God for who he truly is, as revealed in the scriptures. Holy, holy, holy. Also, uh, I want to challenge you to, uh, obviously, yeah, to meditate upon what God meditates upon. I also want to challenge you uh, to set yourself some goals. Next time you feel like expressing your opinion about something, um, I challenge you to look in the concordance of your Bible for the topic that you are thinking about. No matter what's on uh, music, politics, uh, maybe something to do with your career, uh, food, fashion, anything like that. And then go to your Bible, go to the concordance, and see what God says about the topic or that issue. Then, if your opinion is different from God's, conform your mind to God's truth. His opinion is right, and that is a very practical way of becoming more holy. And also, remember what J.C. Ryle said. Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God, according as we find his mind described in Scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, which means hating what he hates and loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. Um, I don't suppose any of you remember the holiness illustration we used last time um, in, the, in the part one of the sermon? Who is God more like, a worm or an angel? And the answer is neither because God is holy, God is not like anything else.
So on that note, that's great. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you, Lord, that um, yeah, true holiness belongs to you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are above everything created. And um, as we are your people, you desire for us to be holy. We, you desire for us to be uh, set apart for your work. And thank you, Lord, for these really practical ways that um, we can uh, live holy lives that you've revealed to us in your word. Lord, help us to show love to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to grow in our love for you. Um, help us, Lord, to conform our opinions, our mind, uh, to your truth, to who you are. Uh, Lord, we just pray that um, yeah, we would be changed by your word, Lord. We thank you for uh, the gift of sanctification. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for slowly changing us over time. Help us to encourage one another when we see you working in us. Help us, Lord, to uh, encourage others to continue to grow in holiness and ourselves also, even if we feel like we're doing an amazing job, we're doing, um, yeah, being really holy and humble and we haven't sinned all day. Help us, Lord, to, yeah, just set the bar even higher, to get even closer to the perfection of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that um, your truth would just stick with us throughout the week, Lord, that our testimony would be an example to those around us. And Lord, that uh, through, um, uh, through holiness that people would ask us questions about, you know, why are we different because of you? Um, and Lord, that we just grow in our, yeah, our desire to please you and glorify you and meditate upon you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.